Thank you. It's good to be with you here today. Again, my name's Ken. I am a state pastor since July of 2013. Uh, they told me that before that, but then that's the official date that I started, July of 2013, to be the state pastor. And we had a significant vision that God wanted us to invest in pastors and churches. And so that's kind of everything we do is about that. When there's a healthy pastor, then there's healthy churches. And when churches are healthy, it goes back to the pastor and it goes all those kinds of things. So we do everything we do for that particular reason. And I want to say thank you for your uh, commitment to missions beyond yourself. We, Sheila and I planted a church in 2006 in Orlando called Grace River Church. It's an amazing group of people. They are walking in God's presence and blessing and just doing some amazing things. And you're behind that. There's a church in Tampa that you're behind. There's a church in Coral Springs that you sent leadership to and blessed. And your giving has been far beyond what even you would know. And so it's kind of that story that someday when you get to heaven, be a lot of other people saying, you don't know me, but thank you for your faithfulness. And that's true for every person in all of their faithfulness. So, okay. I want to, we're going to have some fun today, I think. I think you'll experience God's presence significantly. Last night, uh, it was just really amazing what God does. I can never make it happen. I just want to go on record. I can't make it happen. All I can do is be in the moment with you and pray that God shows up significantly. But he did last night, and he always does something new and something fresh, and so we'll see what he does today as we walk through it. Um, April, that uh, does the slides, uh, I told her, I'm pretty tough to follow, so they tell me, and uh, so just do what you do, and we'll figure it out. So if you don't get whatever notes you want to get, you can talk to her or talk to me or whatever it is. How's that? You good? All right. So in 2016, uh, I was given this blessing that God said he was going to do certain things in my life. And two weeks later, while I'm sitting with the Lord and worshiping, he says to me, this next season's going to be really, really hard. And I'm telling you right now, it's going to be really hard. And about four weeks later after that, the darkness and that crazy in my mind and in my life came from all directions. It's as if when God announces something that he's going to do, it puts all the enemy on notice and the battle just got really, really intense. It was a spiritual battle. It wasn't any kind of other battle, but it was a spiritual battle. And what I want to say to you today as we begin is every person has times and seasons in their life when it feels like their world is falling to pieces and unstable. If you haven't experienced that yet, it's because you've been in a family that's protected you, which is a good thing. But someday, you will experience the questions like, what in the world is happening and how did I end up there? And what is going wrong? And the confusion and the darkness and, a, and the shattering of what you thought were some dreams and some experiences. Every person's going to walk through that. It doesn't mean if, if you're following God or if you're not following God, you're, you're going to get through that. That's, that's going to happen. It's going to happen to you. Not only does that happen to, uh, to people, it happens to families too. And so families go through very challenging and difficult times, sometimes because the world around them seems to shatter and come after them, and sometimes it's the dynamics within the family that become tense and harsh and difficult and challenging, and you have to figure out how to work through that. So again, it can feel like your world's just kind of surrounded by 
that darkness. And churches go through the same thing because churches are full of people. And they're full of people trying to figure out how to walk this God walk together. And that's why the scripture says you have to work out your salvation. But the beautiful thing is we work it out on each other. Yeah, did you hear that? (laughs) That's how we do it. I mean, this is not the gathering of the people who are perfected. It's the gathering of the people trying to figure out what it means to be perfected. So we kind of do this together and we have to have lots of grace. I mean, sometimes we feel like, oh, this is the place they should be perfect. Uh, I'll just go ahead and see myself out. And you, because <laughs> I can't do that. You know, there's, there's going to be cha- challenges and shattering moments. And that is the reason that you need to experience God's presence most significantly. Sometimes when we're in seasons of darkness, what our heart wants to do is pull back. You probably, if you've been here at this church long or whatever church, you may have had experiences when it feels like to you what you want to do is not go today because I don't have the emotional energy. Worst choice you could make. Because you need, even when you don't know how to worship in the moment, you need to be surrounded by the many people who are or who can take you into God's presence. You need that worship experience. So the moment you feel like, I don't want to do it, is the moment you need to say, we're doing it to yourself. And you get yourself up and you get yourself in here where God can show up. And then you need community. Sometimes again, some of us kind of want to do our pain alone. I get it. I understand that you don't want everybody to know everything about you. But you need some people who can speak blessing into your life. Some people who can speak what is when you can't see what is. And then you need scripture. And scripture is God's revelation. It's God telling his story to me and to you so that we can understand who God is. What you'll never be able to do is to figure out who God is by simply thinking about it in yourself. So if you go down the street and you ask some people, you know, tell me who God is, they have no idea. You can ask them. They have no idea. Nor do you. Nor do I. The scripture says his ways are ahead of our ways or over our ways or beyond our ways. So you can never figure out God from your humanity. You can't do it. That's why he reveals, and he reveals, he, it's like he pulls back the curtain and says, this is who I am. And, he, and when you see who he is, then what you're experiencing is God begins to tell you his story. And he tells you his story so that you can find your story or your history in his story. That's why he reveals If you look at the writings of history, they have this perspective. So you're reading book after book after book, and they're saying this happened, this happened, this happened, because this king decided he wanted that land, and this king was bigger and badder than that king, and that's what happens. And that's one way to look at your life if you choose to do it. It's this run-on of events. I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this. Or you can find your story in God's story, which is what the scripture is. It's unpacking God's story so that actually, if you read the Old Testament and the New, then you'll often see that God says, I know it looks like that king's tougher. I was at work. Behind every event, I am at work. I didn't say I caused them all. I am always at work. So years ago, I was uh, 
sitting in a season which was kind of was fragmented and, and felt like darkness. Uh, I've had a few of those more than I wish, but I did. And I'm sitting in my office at that moment, pouring out my heart and saying to God, why is it really hard and darkness and what about? And I'm asking questions. And then he just gently says to me, think about it. Where am I when there's darkness? Where am I? Where am I when your world is shattering? Think about it. Then he stirred into my mind, Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God creates the heavens and the earth. And the earth was void and without form. And darkness was covering the face of the earth. Where was I? Absent? No. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the darkness. And in what the Scripture tells in just a few verses, God takes all of the shattering and the mess and brings a new creation, and he always does that. And that is why you need revelation. Otherwise, you're left to your own understanding. Sometimes when we ask each other, how are we? It's a really honest question, but we're not taking into account who is he that can determine how am I? So we're gonna do this today. We're gonna walk through some of the Ephesians. We're gonna look different passages of it. And I want to give you some background, then we're going to look at one verse, which is chapter 3, verse 1 of Ephesians. So if you want to look in your Bible, you can look at that verse. But I want to give you some context for it at first. Ephesians is actually a story. It, we read it, and it's like a theology book, kind of. I mean, the first thing is, praise be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenlies. In love, he predestined us according, and it's like, my gosh. It's just words that we kind of seem over our head and we don't understand them. And so you almost feel like if I need to be in a seminary class or a Bible college class and then we'll learn about Ephesians and we'll learn it in our heads and, and that will be sufficient, no chance. You have to get into the story of Ephesians and let the Ephesians story get into your story so it can form and shape you. So Ephesians is a story the story actually begins back in Acts in somewhere around 19 and 20 or even before that because Paul is a missionary, so he's actually in Ephesus. So that this letter actually has warmth. It's not actually a book of the Bible. It's a letter. And if you've ever written to somebody that you love, then you would have, even romance or not, you, somebody that you really care about, if you've ever written even an email, then you would write with a sense of warmth to it. It would have some wisdom and some blessing and some connection in it. But we read Ephesians as if it's just this standalone, cold kind of theology. But it isn't at all that. Not at all. Well, in the stories of Acts, that you'll, if you read those, 1920, you'll see that's kind of the ending uh, section right before we get to the Ephesians story here. Ephesians is actually one of four prison epistles which means Paul writes these while he's in prison in Rome. It's Philippians, Colossians, Ephesians, wrong order, but anyway, Philemon. So Ephesians is one of them, and Ephesians was considered to be a circular letter. And 
It's like, what does that mean? Well, it, it really meant that what happens is Paul wrote the letter and he knew that the Ephesians, like First Church of God Bureau here, would read it, but he also expected it to be passed down to Kendall. And he also expected it to be passed up to the church I pastor in Grace River. So it was a circular letter because he knew that what he wrote was rich and powerful. And he, as, he's, as he's writing it, as the Holy Spirit's empowering him to write it, he knew it had to be passed on. And so it's kind of one of those pass along uh, letters, but it's written from prison along with Colossians. If you ever read Ephesians and Colossians side by side, then you'll know that they're very similar letters. Philippians is not. So in this letter that's now very warm, right? It's a warm letter. It has connection and relationship. So it's not just this cold theology. In this letter, Paul writes these words of Ephesians chapter three, verse one. And he says, For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. And you want to say, what? Now, if you were still with me, did I tell you he was a prisoner? He's a prisoner of Rome. I mean, did his pen slip? Did, did he, he's been in the prison so long that the dark dungeon or wherever he's at, somehow they've, they've messed his mind up and now he doesn't even know what he's writing? Is he writing this crazy idea that somehow he's a prisoner? For, dude, you are in Rome. They put you in chains and took you to Rome. You are a prisoner of Rome. But he says, that's not true. That's not true. I live in the majesty of the most high God. Nobody, no power, no thing can separate me from the love of Christ. And everything that comes into my life caused by me, caused by you, caused by life, caused by situations, Everything is in his hands. I am not a prisoner of Rome. You may think I am, but I'm not a prisoner of Rome. I'm a prisoner of Christ. So he didn't have his pin slip. He is inviting his people that he loves in Ephesus to have this idea that says, dude, why are you living your life as if everyone else has power? Everyone else only has the power God allows them to have. God has the power of your life and he is ordering and orchestrating and even when it feels like it is falling to pieces and there's darkness over it, you are never a victim unless you choose to be. And that is just a choice. A weekend of free to serve is about going out and, and pouring love on other people. It also means you have to be free in your heart to serve. So this is a the moment, like, hello, I knew that. Ephesians chapter three is before Ephesians chapter four and five, right? And Ephesians chapter three is preceded by Ephesians one and two. So three, four, five, and then there's six as well. So if you know much about Ephesians, you may or may not, in Ephesians chapter five, Paul starts talking about marriage. And he says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. It's really 
really powerful stuff. And then he says, wives, respect your husbands. And there have been people who've written really good stuff. And they pulled out those two concepts and they've said, this is how you have a marriage. Nope. Sorry, I don't agree. I think that's a factor of it. Ephesians chapter five, what's before chapter five? Four, three, two, and one. So by the time you get to figuring out how to have a marriage, you have to read Ephesians chapter three, which asks the question, are you a victim? Because if you're a victim, you're living your marriage as if you're a victim, and then you're discouraged, and then everything that comes at you is like, oh, honey, I don't know what we're going to do. And you live your life instead of full of majesty and hope and destiny, you start living as a victim. And actually, chapters one and two are super important for you to live in your marriage in chapter five. And chapter one, I said it to you earlier, says this, praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenlies. Well, the question is, what in the world is a spiritual blessing? And the answer is, I don't know. That's good, I'm gonna tell you. (laughs) Spiritual blessings are actually the most important blessing you'll ever experience. Because the spiritual blessing is about your person. It's about that spirit, God's spirit and your spirit connecting Spiritual blessing is where your heart is. God is pouring power and presence into you as a person. So the spiritual blessings are the most important blessings. You can have some more money. Yeah, to make your life easier. But let me tell you something. When you experience what I'm about to tell you, when you experience it, you will think your world is just absolutely turned upside down in a good way. So right after the verse I just told you, he ends up saying these words, in love, he chose us before the foundation of the world. So I'm gonna give you my paraphrase, you ready? This is fun. When God imagined you, you, before creation, He saw you in his mind. He chose you before the foundation of the world. And he said in Ken's translation, now that's what I'm talking about. He looked at you and thought, I like it. I know, I know you're too too tall, short, this, that, and the other. Don't have that personality where she had those gifts. Don't you know that he made you perfect? Perfect. Stop comparing yourself with each other. You're perfect. And they're perfect. That's why you sync up. That's the point. They don't have to be like you. You just have to figure out how to like them and figure out how to like yourself because if you don't, you can't live Ephesians 5 because you'll be living Ephesians 5 in a marriage trying to take what God was already offered you that you matter. And that's what happens in a lot of marriages. They end up fighting each other because they don't feel seen or loved. And you have to understand that the way you do Ephesians chapter five is all the way back in Ephesians chapter one, which is you experience God's choosing of you. But then there's another problem that he chose you, but you know you, right? And I don't know you, but then again, I know you. And you really haven't done that good in life. I mean, you stumbled, you fell, you sinned. In whom, Jesus, we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. So let me say it different. He chooses you, and when you stumble, he chooses you again. 
And when you fall, he chooses you again. You sang those words. He's always fighting for us. Did you know that sometimes God's biggest battle isn't when he's fighting for you, is you? That you and I tend to want to do it our way and see it our way. And sometimes we find ourselves picking up the sword and we're going to fight for this moment. And God is saying, you're fighting me. He's a man of war. And sometimes the war is for you and about you and with you. And he will keep chasing you down because he loves you and has loved you from the foundation of the world. And when you know that you're chosen, then you can even in the moments when you find yourself in prison, you can remember and you can come alive again that you have hope because he chooses you and they don't have power and that doesn't have power and that's not my problem and that's not my biggest problem. I am chosen and loved and celebrated and I belong to the living God. So although Rome thinks they have me in their hands, they don't have me in their hands. Actually, I'm in the hands of God who's holding the hands of Rome. So what, the funny thing I think, this is delightful to me. When you start experiencing this, then you can actually look at your challenges coming and your challenges around you and you can say, I don't like it, but bring it on because you can't do anything that my God hasn't allowed. It's, a, it's intriguing to me to think about what happens when people start living in majesty and how it flows joy and hope. So when Paul is in prison, in Acts 19 and 20, he's actually, he actually knows he's gonna be in prison. Like he already knows that. He tells the Ephesians, I won't be back. I won't see you again. And they're crying. And then the next place he goes, they, somebody takes his belt, ties it around their hands, Agabus, and, and says, you're going to end up, the owner of this belt's going to have his hands tied. And all the people are saying, you shouldn't go to Jerusalem because you're going to end up in prison. And Paul's like, you think I don't know that? I, I know that. But you see, from the beginning, God told him his life would be full of speaking and bringing God's message all across. And God is such a great steward, he just decided to let Rome pay the freight to get him there. He didn't have to buy his own ticket. And oh, by the way, sometimes when you begin to live in majesty and you can get out of the prison instead of taking the prison with you, because that's what we do. The, anger, ang the more angry we get, the more we take the prison everywhere we go. So Paul is in prison, but he's not in prison. I mean, they have his body in prison, but his heart is soaring. But some of us, we're body's free, heart, it's living in prison. We take the prison home and we take the prison to work and we take the prison to bed. We take the prison to everywhere we go. Why are you doing that? Live in majesty, my friends. Understand that even sometimes when God has, it feels like his hands is are off of you, his hands are on you. So in Acts 27, remember this story again, this is a story, Ephesians. In Acts 27, there's a, a shipwreck that Paul's a part of and every person on the ship is saved because of Paul. And if you were on the ship, you'd be glad he was a prisoner because otherwise you wouldn't be here. 
And sometimes when we're in the middle of this moment, it feels like everyone else has control of our lives and they're hurtful to us. What we have to remember is maybe, just maybe, just maybe, in the majesty of God, if I can leave my prison down there and not take it with me, maybe he can put me beside people who need my presence and blessing where he can flow. But that doesn't happen if you're the prisoner of Rome. It doesn't happen that way. The rest of that verse, he says, on behalf of you Gentiles. So I told you in 2016, the Lord told me you're going to go through some challenging seasons, and it it has been, lots of different reasons. But Friday, I'm sitting with the Lord, and I say, I'm going to tell you a little bit of extra here, but I'm sitting with the Lord, and I'm processing all the things that I'm going through and finally, I said, okay, God, I, I, don't, I don't understand it all, but tell you what I'll do. I'll just make a decision to give myself to you again, to which the Satan, to which Satan then speaks into my mind, there's not much to give right now, is there? So then I said, well, if even from a distance, I'll worship you, to which the spirit, did you read, did you sing the song that he fights for us? to which the Spirit fought for me and said, why are you doing that? In Hebrews 4, I paved the way. You come right on in. You're always welcome. And sometimes when he, that scripture says he's gonna provide mercy and grace in times of need, sometimes the grace is revelation. This is what I'm doing. It feels like you're in the hands of everybody else and then you get angry, then you get mad, then you start fighting people. You can do that if you want or you can live in my majesty and know that nobody has that power if I don't give it to them. That's what Jesus said to Pilate. Pilate says, you know who I am? Have you heard my name? I know, it's a paraphrase again. Like I am, I have the power to crucify you and Jesus looks at him, my paraphrase, like not so much. What? I have the power. You ain't got the power. He has the power and he gives it to you. So you are simply a person in the moment. I'm not, I'm not worried about you. I worship him. I'm not a prisoner because of you. In this moment, Paul wanted the Ephesians to say, they're probably thinking, oh, it's our fault and we did. No, it isn't. No. God is ordering my life. The good, the bad, the indifferent, it's all his presence. All his presence. And sooner or later, you'll have to decide, do you want to live the rest of your life in prison? Thinking everybody else gets to make the power decisions and you're a victim. Everybody else gets to decide what's good and bad and you don't get to decide. And then you can become more and more hurt and angry and your whole history can just flow with event, 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 event. And you'll be the compilation of the stuff of your life. It's not God's dream. His dream is that he chose you before the foundation of the world. 
His dream that he keeps choosing you when sometimes it feels like you're not worth choosing, but he always thinks you're worth choosing. Always. His dream is to unlock the prison and say, they might have you in bad moments from here and there, but I just want you to be captured by me. That's all I want. And when you allow me to be majesty over you, even the messes start having meaning and you can trust me. So here's what we want to do today. I want to give you this amazing invitation to step out of the mess that you may be in and experience God's majesty. And that looks like this. There are altars on either side if you would like to be prayed for. And there's going to be other people up here. And we just want to, pray. We just want to bring God's blessing upon you. And so what we're going to do is anoint you with oil. That looks like putting the sign of the cross over your forehead. And in that moment, we just want to de declare to you that the darkness does not have power. God's doing a new thing in you. We just want you to experience his heart today. You don't have to come. And if you don't come, it's not the worst thing in the world either. But we just want to offer it to you. So, if it's you, and if you want to experience his grace, that's what we want for you. Would you pray with me? Father, I'm so grateful for your presence and your blessing so grateful that you speak to us and you do not leave us alone or abandon us. And you're always at work. And we today, some of us, some of, some of us, me included, we want to say, I, I don't want to live in a prison anymore. I want to be captured by your presence. So for every person, for whatever they're experiencing, I just pray you would just blow up the prison cells right now and set them free. In the name of Jesus, amen. It's your chance. Come on.
always pursuing. So, and he's our healer. Jesus is our only healer. Uh, whatever, whatever we're dealing with, whatever we face, um, we're gonna sing together about the faithfulness of our God. And we're gonna let the spirit continue to move even after the song, feel free to stay. If you haven't been anointed yet, feel free to come up to the front after we get done singing and um, do that. If you wanna do that at that time, the altars are open. So we're just gonna let the Lord continue to work. Um, but let's worship him in this moment.